Welcome to the Andy Staples Show post-rankings edition. I know how much you guys love to react. I was on the radio in Nashville on Tuesday morning, and they asked me, who did I think for the top four would be? And I said, well, so in some order, LSU or Ohio State at the top, and then Clemson at three, and then I said Georgia would be number four, and people would lose their minds. Well, guess what? People are losing their minds. And I think the gentleman I have with me today is one of those people. Now, here's why we're having Ralph Russo from the Associated Press on the show. Ralph, one of my good friends, always fun talking college football with Ralph. Ralph is also a regular listener to this program. When he listens to this program, he texts me as if I am saying these things to him in real time. And so I will get a text, oh, I don't know, 16 hours after I've recorded. I will have no idea why he is yelling at me. And then I'll remember, oh, I said that on the podcast. Okay, this is what we're this is what we're arguing about now. So Ralph Yes. <laughs> yes, this is this is what I do. This is actually what I do. And if it makes you feel any better, I do the same thing with Bruce and Stu. <laughs> oh, that's great. Listening to the Audible. Yes. And the Audible Extra, the Audible on Mondays, the Audible Extra on Thursdays for subscribers to The Athletic, the one on Mondays for everyone. All right, Ralph, I saw you tweet immediately when the rankings came out. Georgia at four? I feel like there's a rant there. So you have the floor. Okay, so yeah, I I don't know if I lost my mind about that. I I just thought... I really expected Alabama to be number four. Uh, oh, okay. That, I'm surprised by that. Okay. Yeah, I, I expected Alabama to be four because, I, I don't know, maybe I've just conditioned myself to the committee always sort of genuflecting to Alabama. Uh, and then we would have spent, and we're going to spend the next three weeks figuring, talking about whether Alabama can make the playoff. Because even at five, Georgia, first of all, could lose this week to Auburn. Secondly, Georgia and LSU have to play each other, so that could either sort itself out or make things even more confusing. But nonetheless, there are paths there to easily insert Alabama as the second SEC team as opposed to Georgia at four. So we will still talk for the next three weeks or so about how Alabama can or cannot make the playoff. Um, so yeah, I wasn't out of my mind about it, but I just, I guess, and the one thing I sort of needed to remind myself is the committee doesn't get too hung up on losses. It it definitely considers wins more than losses. So Georgia's got a couple of nice wins against Notre Dame and Florida. Alabama has really no nice wins. I mean, Alabama is awesome and I don't get too hung up on too crazy on like, oh, You didn't play anyone. Listen, I I can see Alabama is really good, right? I don't I don't need to see them necessarily play a bunch of great teams to know Alabama is really good. But I I, kind of got hung up on that South Carolina loss and thought the committee always genuflects to Alabama. They'll do so in this case. They just played a great game against the number one team in the country. They'll have Alabama at four and then we'll sort of do the mental gymnastics of, oh, can the Pac-12 teams finally catch Alabama at number four. So I think the significant thing out of this is 
you know, again, I don't want to make too much out of it because we're still several weeks away and I don't want to play like three dimensional chess with the committee thinking. But to me, Alabama at five sort of makes it very easy to position the Pac-12 teams passing Alabama at some point with LSU and Georgia working itself out. And then all of a sudden you have Alabama out of the playoff for the first time in the six year history of this thing. See, this is not where I expected this to go because I, I'm under the assumption that most people feel like Alabama should not be in discussion right now. That they feel like Alabama always gets too much benefit of the doubt. That Alabama, as you mentioned, hasn't beaten anyone this year. That had they beaten LSU, they would have beaten someone and absolutely deserved to be up there in the top four. But since they didn't, and really may not have a chance to beat someone. I mean, they, they may be able to beat Auburn, when they play Auburn, Auburn may have three losses. They may wind up handing Auburn a fourth loss. Right, but Auburn's pretty good. I mean, oh, I, I think we can agree on that. Yeah, they beat Auburn. Auburn's a top twenty-five team, probably a top twenty team, regardless of how the next two weeks play out, which will impact Gus Malzahn. But nonetheless, they're still a pretty good team. We will talk about that later in the show, but right <laughs> now we're, we we definitely will talk about that. But uh, right now, let's stick to the rankings. Okay, the the thing that jumped out to me, Ralph was this path for two SEC teams in the playoff mm. that looks very clear-cut and cut and dried, and I didn't see a ton of people complaining about that, which kind of surprised me. The people you know, didn't like the fact that Georgia was there because Georgia lost to South Carolina, but you made a good point. The committee has never particularly been bothered by losses. Uh, Ohio State losing to Virginia Tech that would ultimately go 6-6 six and six the first year, and and... That Ohio State team won the national title. Uh, Clemson a couple years ago losing at Syracuse. And that Syracuse team, I believe, did not make a bowl game. No, won four Cle games. It was, yeah. it was a four-win yeah. team, much like yeah. South Carolina's fixing to be. Yeah, Clemson was the number one seed that year. Uh, the year before, Clemson lost to Pittsburgh, which wasn't all that great, but was a, was better than the yeah, Syracuse team. Yeah, pretty good team. team. That, that had beaten it. So uh, it, it has not been the history of the committee to kill you over a close loss. Now, they'll kill you over a blowout loss. Had it, had it been a blowout loss to South Carolina, I think they would have treated it differently. It's an overtime loss. So that's that's where they're, they're looking at Georgia's wins and not Georgia's losses. But that path for two SEC teams in the playoff is very simple now. Georgia wins out. LSU wins out. They play for the SEC title. It's just the same situation as last year. If Georgia wins, they're both in. Well... But a very different well, yes, yes. Well, let me. I'm trying to play out last year now. Am I forgetting something? Georgia, Georgia would have won if, if they win. They're in. They and Alabama also would have gotten in. No, no, that wasn't the way it would have played out last year because Alabama was undefeated going into that game last Correct. year. Correct. Alabama would have also gotten in the playoff as a 12-1 and loser of the SEC championship. Oh, if I, if Georgia had won. Yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry. Yes. So so that that will be the situation this year. I also see. So, so part of the, the thing that's going on here is twofold. I think that will still upset people if there were two SEC teams in because a lot of people like to hate the SEC. Um I think that it might not upset people as much because Alabama is not in because I think people are just tired of seeing Alabama. And I think they're also tired of seeing Alabama. in. you know, we're, really, it was two years ago 
when Alabama sort of was the best of a bunch of bad choices and they were sitting there at 11 and one, they didn't even make their conference championship game, which sort of feels like you get rewarded for missing a tough spot. And they didn't have much of a resume. Um, you know, a couple of years back in 16, when Ohio State made it without making its conference championship game, it was a little easier to stomach that, I think, because Ohio they had a great resume. If you blind resume exactly that it. year, they had I was you looking would pick at Ohio State every time. Yeah, I was looking at it because I wrote about it. They, they had wins over number six, seven and eight on on selection Sunday. They had beaten Oklahoma, Michigan, Oklahoma and Wisconsin. And they had a three point loss against number five on the road. So they were the they were the team that Ohio State team in 16 was essentially why the committee or why the playoff architects, the commissioners didn't require a conference championship. What they had in mind was this team that played so many good teams and just had one slip up and was really had a better overall resume than the conference champion. And to me, LSU would be that same type of team this year, which is, I think, the reason why the scenario you talk about playing out, if Georgia wins, gets in, LSU would get in anyway, I think people could stomach that a little more because they would see an LSU team that has beaten Alabama, Auburn, uh, Florida, and I'm probably even missing one there. But but regardless, I mean, they, they would have a pretty bulky resume there. So I think it would make people a little more comfortable with LSU getting in. Whereas, again, a couple of years ago when Alabama went that went the path, they didn't even reach their conference championship game. And I think the best wins they had, in fact, I know because, again, I looked it up, number 17 LSU, number 23 Mississippi State. Yeah. So I think a lot of it is – if it's not Alabama, that's people will be tolerant yeah. of two SEC teams as long as one is in Alabama. Although I don't know that that conference brass will. And this has always mystified me, Ralph. If I ran the Pac-12 or I ran the Big 12 or I ran the Big 10 and I kept getting left out, I would just create a system to make sure I got in. Why? Why won't these guys get together and do that? And do they, eight? Well, because they they um listen, they didn't want to do it. Now they have this, and they're it, it's not it's they can't change it quickly. It, it's not something that can be. You understand this as well as everybody because you've been at these meetings. I mean, listen, a lot of what they talk about as being stumbling blocks, you can poo poo it, but they are real. And until and once you decide to change it, it takes work to change it. It takes work to change, but I, you know, I don't know if we want to get into the whole expand to eight thing, but but let me let me throw this back at you because I want to get back to the Alabama thing for a second because you talk about if LSU if Georgia wins out beats LSU LSU and Georgia are both in, but Georgia could lose this weekend. Georgia could certainly lose in the championship game to LSU. If that happens, that brings Alabama right back into the, the discussion if Alabama wins out. And then it goes to what we sort of were playing with on the, over the weekend, this Alabama Pac-12 possible champion, possible Pac-12 champion with one loss scenario. You know, again, I think it, it would be tough for Alabama to overcome that. The team that, that comes to mind to me with Alabama is let me throw this one out that 2015 Ohio State, which lost to Michigan State late in November. Yep. 
Now, that team was ridiculously loaded. Like, go back and look at that. Because, again, I was looking at, you know, Bosa, Zeke, Mike Thomas, 10 guys who were drafted in the first three rounds. But the interesting thing was, and I think, again, this is why people get a little frustrated with the Alabama talk all the time. When Ohio State lost that game to Michigan State, they were done. Everybody sort of acknowledged that they were done. Michigan State played Iowa. That ended up being a play-in game. Oklahoma had a nice resume but wasn't playing a conference championship. Uh, but they got in. But that Alabama – like this Alabama team to me will look like that that Ohio State team. Except it's not as good as that team because this Alabama team's defense isn't as good as that team's defense was. No, that's true. But th- that Al- that that – Ohio State team also had a glitchy offense because Urban futzed around with Cardell and JT Barrett for most of the year. They Cause, actually because they wouldn't listen to Zeke until the Michigan game. That, that's what that's yeah. the problem. Yeah, and they they futzed around with the offense and it ended up getting them into a couple of close games against like Minnesota and Northern Illinois. So that also is a little different from the Alabama schedule too. But I, uh, my point is, so people like Alabama fans who say, "Well, who would beat us?" Well. I understand that, but that Ohio State team was absolutely one of the three best team, three or four best teams in the country, and they just didn't do enough, and they got left out. So that's where I, I think we're going to land with this out because I think I have a hard, I think Georgia might lose this weekend. I have a hard time seeing Georgia beating LSU with that amazing offense. So I think come Selection Sunday, we are still going to land in the Alabama or this twelve and one Pac twelve team. What about twelve and one Oklahoma? What about or maybe that? Well, thirteen and zero Baylor's in. Okay, I, I don't want to hear any. Oh, Alabama's going to get it over thirteen. No, they're not. No way. Thirteen no Baylor's in. Twelve and one Baylor, Big Twelve champion. Mm, little tough, little tough. I mean, because again, not not much of a uh, of a non conference schedule. But at that point, uh, let's put it this way: a twelve and one Baylor and a twelve and one Utah basically have the same. The same credentials. Correct. Maybe, in fact, I could even say that the, a twelve and one bail would have better credentials because I think the Big Twelve overall is probably a little tougher than the Pac twelve, depending on how you splice up a Pac twelve schedule. That's the thing. There, because because in the Big Twelve you're playing everybody, you're getting all those pretty good teams. Whereas you know Utah playing in the South, there's a lot of fodder there. Well, Utah didn't get Oregon in the regular season, and so didn't they didn't get Oregon. They, they avoided the best team in the league probably other than them so that that is one thing to consider but you're right i mean if georgia loses and and georgia could could lose this saturday now auburn is sort of the x factor in all this auburn could bail the committee out by winning the iron bowl yes they could yes they could auburn auburn is a is a powerful i i I don't know andy i just keep fine looking at that auburn team and, and boy they play around their quarterback. They are, they are playing. They are protecting well, can, their quarterback. Can I, can I throw something out at you, Ralph? I think Auburn will have a much easier time. Well, I say easy. Nothing's easy for that offense. Mm-hmm. But I think Auburn has a better chance of scoring more points against Alabama mm-hmm. than they do against Georgia. My problem, though, is can I they stop Alabama enough. Yeah, I think the way Georgia plays keeps Alab- keeps Auburn in a game where they could almost like they did. Listen, they almost stole the LSU game because LSU couldn't convert in the red zone and through, you know, and, and, and you know, but, but here's a the thing. Turnovers. If they can stop LSU or slow LSU in Tiger Stadium, what makes you think they can't slow Alabama in Jordan Hare? 
Yeah, maybe, maybe. But I, I again, I was watching, you know, watch that game. LSU probably put up what 450 to 500 yards. I mean, I just don't know if you can reliably expect. Okay, they'll malfunction in the red zone two or three times, and that's what'll keep us in the game. Yeah. No, you can't. But my fear for Auburn against Georgia is that Auburn will not score. Well, there is that. Yes, there is a possibility that they will be looking at Bo Nix and be, and now they don't even have Gatewood to to bail them out uh, as another alternative. So it's all, but at least, at least I think he's still in the transfer portal, right? I mean, sometimes these kids go. Yes, out. I believe he's going on a visit to Kentucky. So yeah, so there you go. So you're right. I mean, it, it could be it, but but again, I think when you have a low scoring game, you know, fewer possessions. I mean, listen, this is how Georgia got in trouble against South Carolina to a certain degree. It's because it, it, it plays in a way that will allow an underdog to sort of hang around a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I think that that plays to Auburn's strength, especially in Jordan Air. But you're right. Auburn could fix all of this for all of college football. Well, here's the one thing. If they were to beat Georgia and then Georgia were to beat LSU. To me, that's the doomsday scenario. That gets very complicated because then you have a 2016 Big Ten scenario again where LSU has the better resume but is not the champion and lost on the field to the champion. Right, right. And in the championship game, and I don't know if that dynamic makes it even harder to to swallow. You know, I I mean, you're right because that year it was Penn State on the outside looking in the the fact that I don't I don't know like I, I just do wonder like mentally psychologically if the committee is watching them both play are they more likely to say I know Georgia's got two losses but I'm gonna put Georgia in here because this is the championship game I know that, that that's a little like bass Ackwards logic but I you know the, a game that happened in October which was the Penn State Ohio State game feels a little different and a little more distant than a game that is happening the day before the selection committee makes its final choices. And I keep thinking if you have a LSU two loss Georgia team, Georgia beats LSU in the championship game, you will end up with two SEC teams in that way too. I think the Oregon losing to Auburn thing, like it just picked any other team to lose to the fact that they lost to Auburn where we could have a scenario where four SEC teams beat Auburn. Right. And that's another problem for the Pac-12 and for Oregon, too. And listen, trust me, every Alabama fan has already tossed that one out there. As in, you know, how could we be left out for Oregon if we beat Auburn in Jordan-Hare? Now, listen, we all know that that game you know, in, in Dallas wasn't completely neutral site. I mean, Oregon travels some fans, but it's a little easier to get from Auburn to Dallas. Um but yeah, trust me, that, that that card is already being played by Alabama fans. Well, when they haven't beaten Auburn. And the thing about it, two years ago, Auburn played Georgia and Alabama in Jordan-Hare. And guess what? There are days in Jordan-Hare where you could send the 85 Bears in there and they ain't winning. So we'll see what happens. I, I, I still think there's some intrigue to be played out there. Uh, Ralph, I'm gonna uh, we're going to listen to a quote from, from Rob Mullins, the, the committee chair. And so this is this is his reasoning or, well, the committee's reasoning on Georgia. And he said, 
Georgia, with wins against both Florida and Notre Dame, put them at number four in the rankings this week. The committee spent a lot of time comparing Georgia and Alabama. In the end, Georgia's two wins over ranked teams made the difference in the number four spot. Alabama clearly is a strong team, but the committee gave the edge to Georgia. Do you find it interesting that those two got paired up? And he didn't say, well, we compared a bunch that included Georgia, Alabama, you know, Minnesota, Oregon, Utah, well, all these, maybe a little, uh, I mean, part of that could conceivably be that, you know, Rob Mullins has to, has to recuse himself when Oregon comes up. But so, so I, I thought it was telling that Alabama is in a position to be passed by the PAC 12 schools. You're telling me, you think it's telling that Alabama and Georgia were, was the choice and the rest, that it was Alabama-Georgia line the rest. Correct. And and that means that Alabama and Georgia were being debated for number four. Right, right. Without the, with, but without Oregon and the rest of those teams in there. Yeah, that you, you know, again, now we're sort of like going into deep committee thinking and trying to figure out where they are this week when often really where they are is just like, who do you think is better? Um, let's get dinner, right? I mean, like it's, right. at this point. Like I hate, I hate to read too much into the explanations and things along those lines because I do think they sort of retrofit the explanations to just deal with our pesky questions so they can move on and come back next week and do this again. Um, but, but in trying to piece through the signs there, yeah, I mean, I guess that, that is a, that is a fair sign to say that Georgia and Alabama were clearly the, in the running for four and nobody else was. So more committee thinking on Georgia, uh, Rob Mullins gets asked how much time was spent talking about the respective losses uh, Georgia losing to South Carolina, LSU losing to Alabama, or Alabama losing to LSU. And here's what he said. It's certainly a part of the discussion, no doubt. And you know, we're aware of the, of the South Carolina loss for Georgia and that Alabama's loss was against the team that was ranked number one. And so that, that's clearly on the board when we're comparing them. But we're also looking at Georgia's uh, wins against top 20 teams, Florida and Notre Dame. And I think the the Notre Dame loss probably will oh, excuse me win will probably age pretty well, right? The Florida loss looks like it's going to be just fine because right. I, I'm not sure Florida's going to lose again. Yeah, I doubt Florida is going to lose again. I mean, I could see I could see Notre Dame taking a little bit of a ding on 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 you know and taking one more loss here. They look like they're somewhat vulnerable, but it's still going to be a pretty good lo- loss. The big oh, win. The bigger problem is Alabama just doesn't have any any path here to gain more than just one more decent win. And it's not like retroactively there are teams on the, that they've already beaten that are certainly suddenly going to surge at the end here and bulk up. You know, maybe Texas A&M. You know, Texas A&M has to, beat, has to play Georgia too. That's that's the game nobody's talking about. Yeah. That, that could be pretty – right after Auburn. Now, it's, it's in Athens, but – Texas A&M still has good players. The the other chaos agent in all of this is Texas A&M, right? Because Texas A&M also has to play LSU, and L- and that wouldn't stop LSU from getting to the SEC championship game. But all of a sudden, if you have LSU walk into that game with one loss, now 
it's, it's a losers out scenario. Now it's a losers out. Now it's almost definitely a losers out scenario. So you know, and again, does A and is A and M up to the task? Probably not. But again, there is not nothing on that roster. There are there are there are legit NFL players on that roster that could conceivably, you know, come up with a great performance. And and that's the thing. There's a game like that in every season where we we don't see it coming and holy cow what just happened. But I, I do want to talk about one team that we talked about a lot this weekend. We've not mentioned them yet tonight. And that is the golfers. Yes. The boat rowers themselves. They're at eight. Now, I have I have no problem with them being at eight because here's why, Ralph. They are very much in control of everything. No doubt. That's ahead of them. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, with when you have Iowa this week, and you know, listen, Iowa is what Iowa is. They're they're really good defensively and they they're not very good offensively, but you know, they're pretty good. And Wisconsin after that down the road, and then a possible Big Ten championship game against Ohio State. Everything is there for Minnesota. I would even argue they could stub a toe, possibly. I would agree. Now, I don't know that they can lose to Northwestern, although... No, no, no. Georgia, no. Wait, Georgia can lose to South Carolina. Well, but Northwestern is a, is a special kind of terrible this year. <laughs> I don't think they're going to lose to Northwestern, but they could <laughs> lose to Iowa or Wisconsin. I You're think absolutely they, right. I think they could stumble at Iowa. Kinnick Stadium's a tough place to play. Don't lose by 30. They're um, playing for a pig, don't forget. Yes, which is always something that will bring out the best in you. Um, so, yeah, I think that they could possibly stumble. Listen, I, I you know... I. I, it, it, again, I don't worry too much about the teams that sort of hold their own destiny there, um, which brings you, brings me back to the Big 12, and we talk about chaos, right? I, I think the things that the, the, the Pac-12 and the Big 12 probably need to fear is just their own, right? I think I just feel like there's a lot of possible chaos there in those games that you say, oh, I didn't see that coming, Right. As good as Oregon has, as well as Oregon has played, as well as Utah has played, I mean, would it would it shock you all that much to see UCLA beat Utah this weekend? Would it shock? Lost to USC. Yeah, would it shock you all that much to see Oregon lose? I think they have to go to Arizona State uh, in two weeks, so I, I think there's potential for that that one stunning upset left that sort of throws a monkey wrench in everything i think that that's still very viable especially in the pac-12 and big 12 where it seems like there's a lot more parity let me give you the big 12's nightmare baylor wins this weekend and then loses oklahoma beats baylor in the title game yeah that's 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 a little problematic that's definitely a little problematic for and i can e i can easily see oklahoma losing to baylor and i can easily see oklahoma beating baylor so this is not outside the realm of possibility at all yeah, and you know, and and Baylor is going to have to play two pretty good games in a row because they're going to have to play Texas. So again, you could find yourself in a situation where Baylor beats Oklahoma, then loses to Texas, and they're both and both Baylor and Oklahoma go into that championship game with one loss. Um, so that complicates things a little bit more. There, it's um. The whole thing is kind of tricky. <laughs> there's just a lot of there's a listen. There's a lot of games left to play and a lot of p p potential for upsets, and that's kind of what makes it fun. I'm also not ruling out a bedlam loss for you, but you're right about that. That's a good well, point you're, too. You're, yeah. you're wrong about one thing and right about one thing. There are not a lot of games left to play. Well, in, that's in, true. In three weeks, the championship games will be set. So 
there, there are not that many games left to play. But there is However, a lot of significant games. That's a, that's the thing, though. There's, there are, there's there are, a lot of room for upsets. There's that there are there's not a lot of Rutgers and Kansases. Be well, of course, Rutgers plays Ohio State this week. Naturally. But you know what I'm saying. But there's not a ton of the of the gimme games still left. There's enough games for each team where I, I can I can sort of look and see like. Almost each, almost every team involved here has at least one, if not two, losable games left. I would agree with that, and and I think that is what makes it awesome. And you know, it the SEC does not have as many of the cupcake before rivalry week situations this year, and I believe they're eliminating them completely next year or, or getting rid of most of them next year. So most uh, importantly, it doesn't have them in the games that involve uh, the two teams that are highest ranked, right? It, it, LSU doesn't have that. Although Arkansas could be considered. Well, then I guess, I, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll take that back. Arkansas is, well, listen, they've already lost to San Jose State. So if you've lost to the cupcake, they, they you lost, are the cupcake. They we, got they got shelled by the quarterback that they ran off. Yes, which is just, I told you, I told you what I saw you in, in Tuscaloosa. If they lose today, I think we all knew, but I, I told yeah. you that if they lose today, if they lose, uh, if Arkansas loses today, they're going to fire him tomorrow. And again, I don't think it was that shocking, but then they fired him tomorrow. I'm actually surprised they didn't fire him like they fired Bielema, where they he's coming off the field and right. pull him into a room and say, you're fired, now go to the press conference. But that's a good point to pivot. So we can we we've talked rankings. Now let's talk coaches because we've got a couple of high profile openings. You got Florida State and Arkansas. There will be some more. I think we all agree that USC is going to open up at some point. So where do you think this goes? Like Florida State, they they fire Willie Taggart. People are somewhat up in arms that he was fired that quickly. He was not doing as poorly as Chad Morris, though I would argue. For Florida State, that is as poorly as Chad Morris was doing it, everything being relative. Um, but what what do you think happens at Florida State? That's a good question. Mostly it's hard to answer because there is no sort of precedent there with leadership. In other words, they have an AD who often does this and who has relationships with this agent or this coach or a past relationship um, it, it, with this coaching tree, right? So sometimes you can sort of spot where a, a, a search might be going based on who is doing the search. And right now, David Coburn, who is a very nice man and seems like a very smart guy, was recently the chief of staff to the president at, 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 at Florida State. So he doesn't have a track record here. And then you wonder, well, then how much are the boosters getting involved? And once the boosters get involved, that's how you end up with Bob Stoops rumors, right? When the bo- when the boosters are too heavily involved, you end up with Bob Stoops is coming. I also think you end up with Bob Stoops rumors because anytime there's a vacuum, it'll get filled by something. And Bob Stoops rumors came out and, and people just who just don't understand how coaching searches work immediately glommed onto them and then almost as quickly turned to the Deion Sanders thing. Which, yeah, which was guys, crazy. Yeah. If they're going to hire Bob Stoops, they already would have. Mm-hmm. He would have said yes, and they would already have a deal, and he would have announced. They would have announced it. He'd have had a press conference, and everybody would have celebrated at Florida State, and, and that would have been that. So the fact that it hasn't happened yet means it's probably not going to happen. They're going to hire a coach who's probably coaching right now. 
Mm-hmm. So they're going to hire somebody the Sunday after Thanksgiving, right. unless that person is in a championship game, and then they're going to hire him the following Sunday. Exactly. That is how that's going to work. Yes, that is how that's going to work. Um, I think Un- unless it's Greg Schiano. Right, and, and Rutgers is managing is going to manage to hire Greg Schiano in December. Right, because <laughs> that's the way things work at Rutgers, right? The guy who's been sitting around not doing anything, Rutgers won't manage to work out a deal with him until December. So Florida State, I mean, you know, part of this goes back to what we talk about all the time. Like fan bases are always going to overestimate what they can pull here um, because it's just very hard to pull coaches out of good jobs into even another good job, right? You can go to Mike Gundy and say, listen, Florida State's a better job than Oklahoma State, but Mike Gundy might go, you know what? I've been at Stillwater a while. Oh, I got no, that's not what Mike Gundy will say. Mike Gundy will say, I'm well, listening. I'm listening. That's I'm listening. I definitely and then he will get an extension at Oklahoma State and say, I'm sorry, I'm staying. Exactly. But the fact of the matter is the, the sitting Power 5 head coaches are more likely to do that than to actually say, yeah, I'll, I'll go try – uh, a new gig at a at a place without a, a, a with an AD that looks like a placeholder and a president that's going to leave and uh, you know you 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 can draw a power 5 coach to that job but understand like the level of power 5 coach it doesn't seem like you're going to get that A lister so then who's on the who's who are good B listers well like Mike Norvell could be an interesting guy at a, at a Memphis I know Mike Leach's name is going to come up a thousand times there I have a hard time leech personality wise. Maybe that works in Tallahassee. My bigger question with leech is actually, does he recruit fours and five stars? Because there's some, that's a different type of kid than he's usually used to. Right. He's, he's never been in a place where you can, you have to at Florida state, the stuff he said over the weekend yeah, do, that play? Do, does not fly if you're recruiting four and five stars. Nick Saban has a reputation of being a hard ass. You will never hear Nick Saban say something like that no. because Nick Saban recruits four and five stars. Right. Right. So I don't know if that's a good recruiting fit for for uh, Florida State. I know you've thrown out the idea of Leach at Arkansas. I like the how that sounds. He'd have I, to be talked into it, though. I'm not sure how <laughs> – because I, I think a lot of people would have to be talked into Arkansas. I'll give you – the the guy I would love to see at Florida State is Tony Elliott from yeah from Clemson. I know. I think this is, this I is think one of those times. Ideal. Yeah. This was one of those times I was texting you, listening to the podcast as if you were saying it at the time. Uh, and I, I I do like the idea of Tony Elliott sort of el- being elevated to a to a, a fairly big coaching job. You know, the things I've heard about Elliott is um, it, listen, he's a super smart guy and he's a very good coach that he has never really positioned himself particularly well to move up as far as representation and things along those lines. And I think that gives some... Should not matter. I know it shouldn't, but you understand why it does because ADs, they like to have things where, oh, I'm going to talk to your agent and your agent is going to have a relationship with this search firm that I'm using and it all will fall fall in line okay. together. Okay, then Jeff Scott. Okay. Because Tony's not. the play caller. Right. So I, I'm saying get Tony because he's the one who calls the plays. But Jeff is the one who put a lot of the recruiting infrastructure in place. So that's also a very attractive thing for me. Jeff's got ties to Florida State because Brad, his right. dad, was right. the OC under Bobby Bowden. So Jeff grew up in Tallahassee. Uh, 
you also take a very important recruiter away from Clemson right. by doing that. He has an agent. He plays the game. Mm-hmm. If you want, if, if that matters to you, that doesn't matter to me, which is why I'm saying go Tony Elliott. Promise you. What I think, but that's not what I think will end up happening. That's okay. what I would like to see happen. One of those two guys, because I think both those two guys are, are future head coaches. Both those two guys will be good head coaches. Okay. So I, I think, think I think I think Mark I, Stoops happens at Florida State. You think Mark Stoops? Yeah, I, I think Mark Stoops is the one that makes sense, and I think that that's where they probably will end up landing. I think PJ Fleck has sort of taken himself off the board because I don't think you sign an extension the day after Florida State opens, and that doesn't mean anything. They ain't paying a ten million dollar buyout, right? And with a ten million dollar buyout, so I think Fleck might be off the board for everyone. Uh, Matt Campbell still has a big buy. I think Matt Campbell could go anywhere and be successful. I think he could coach your Pop Warner team and and be successful. But but that's why if you're Matt Campbell, Florida State has some things going on right. where you don't know who the, the president you'll work for will be because John Thrasher, the current president, is on his way out. Uh, Coburn will, will go out too, and the new president will hire a new AD. So you don't know who the AD you're going to work for is. So like, if I'm Matt Campbell... I'm not listening to, to anything except maybe USC. I'm listening or, to USC. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm looking to see if James Franklin leaves Penn State and I will right. listen to Penn State or I will be because Matt Campbell's a, a different kind of bird. He would be he just seems like a guy who happy. would be just right. super happy. Stay there. Yeah. yeah. Having I, his guys I, and I well say you, you stay at Iowa State until the perfect thing comes along for you. Yeah. That's yeah. A, the, that, that's a, that's a smart way to look at it. Yeah, and that's the bigger issue. Like when you talk about perfect settings and perfect things, like I just worry with Arkansas, that program has been grinded into the ground. You know, you've gone from Bielema and whatever he was doing now to Chad and whatever he was doing. You've burned recruit like two or three recruiting classes now, just in, in terms of when you make a change, you burn a recruiting class. When you shift philosophies, now you're burning more recruiting classes. Like uh, you know, you could throw Urban Meyer at Arkansas now, and it would probably probably take him two years to dig out from this mess. So I wonder if I'm a coach who is sort of like Arkansas seems like a good jump for me. Like if I'm Mike Norvell, who's who went to school in Arkansas, seems like a perfect idea, perfect fit. Do you go, man? That job is going to be a lot of work. And even if I get it going well, I'm butting my head against like superpower LSU, superpower Alabama, Jimbo at Texas A&M. You know, I'm sure Arkansas will get a decent coach there, but it's just been it's been so bad for so long. It just seems like there's going to be a lot of digging to do. Let me give you a name then. Someone who's done some digging before. okay, or climbing, as it were, out of holes. Willie Fritz. Yeah, that's that's the guy I've I have suggested that to a few people. And what has been told to me is, are you going to hire a seven win coach out of the American? Didn't you just do that? Now, Willie Fritz has a very different resume than Chad Morris. He's won everywhere. He's run every different offense. He's a defensive guy. It's really dependent on his offensive coordinator, what offense they run. He ran the option at Georgia Southern because he was at Georgia Southern right. and knows that's what you run at Georgia Southern. But you know, he's at Tulane now, and that was a program that, that no consistency whatsoever. Right. You know, they're, they're bowl eligible for the for the second consecutive year, and it's the first time they've been bowl eligible, bowl eligible in consecutive years since 1980, only the third time in school history. So you think about that. 
that's a pretty remarkable achievement given what he inherited. Now, he's 59 years old. He has coached at every level. Here's my thing. I don't think there's a lot of people who are going to be clamoring to take Arkansas. The people who clamor to take Arkansas are people who either may not quite be qualified for a big job like that or people who know that Arkansas has a ton of money and would like them Arkansas to give them some of that money. Mm-hmm. Willie Fritz, who has been at Division Two, at the FCS, in the Sun Belt, in the American, has never gotten that payday. Yeah. This would be the payday. I, I he think, might be the only qualified one willing to take it. I think what Arkansas needs is 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 somebody who sort of knows how to do this, right? I mean, I think that's what we're talking about. Like, don't don't get so caught up in splashy, new and different. Go ha- go find yourself a coach who sort of understands what it means to slowly build, who just had again a wealth of experience, will be able to do it a, a, some different ways. Who knows? Maybe he'll bring what this that this mutated version of the option that he runs at Tulane to Arkansas and well, help. They don't even really run that anymore. I mean, they brought in Will Hall as the OC, who was at Memphis and at Louisiana Lafayette, and he was the head coach at West Georgia. I mean, they, they've run a completely different offense now. And Will Hall, by the way, probably not going with Willie Fritz because he's either going to be the head coach at Tulane or if Joe Brady gets hired away by an NFL team, he may be the next offensive coordinator at LSU. Mm. So I, I don't know that if you're hiring Willie Fritz expecting to get Will Hall, if you're Arkansas, right. don't, don't, don't do that. <laughs> no, don't expect Will uh, Hall to come with. I think Arkansas really would be very would benefit a lot from – not worrying about flash, not worrying about fancy new thing, hot new item, and just find somebody who can build it. Just find a nice, stable, smart coach who has won a lot of different ways. So, yeah, Fritz was a guy who came to mind for me. But, again, uh, you know, somebody had sold it to me as, listen, that they're going back to a similar place, though not completely similar. If you do your homework, it's not similar. Yeah, it, it is going to be a very tough coaching search for Arkansas, I think, just because – the situation they find themselves in is not attractive to the type of person who can do what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's the issue. Like Florida State, you say whatever you want about Florida State. You hire the right person at Florida State, you're going to win a bunch of games. And and hey, Ralph, can I can I give you my if I was an agent, what I'd do? Sure. Scenario. Yeah. All right. So here's uh, let me put on my my slick agent hat. I feel like yeah, I need to have like a Bluetooth headset, headphone in, and uh, I, I want to be like the guy in the State Farm commercials, like you, Aaron Rodgers' you, you, you agent. You dress well enough to be an agent. Quite Not fair. lately. I'm all athleisure all the way now. So, uh, but but that's fine. There's some, there's some all Lululemon agents, and that's cool. So, here's here's what I would do if I were representing Gus Malzahn, and Auburn loses to Georgia and to Alabama, and they get trigger happy, like we know Auburn likes to do. I call and I say, hey, Auburn, you're going to fire my guy anyway. You're going to owe him $30 million if you fire him. How about you pay him 15 right now or even 10 right now? No offsets. You just write the check. We're done with the buyout. And I call Florida State and say, hey, Florida State, Gus will come. He will recruit the same roster he recruited at Auburn, but he gets to play your schedule. So he's going to win at least 10 games a year. What do you say? 
Oh, I, I, listen, I love the idea of Gus going to Florida State because I, I don't think they could hire a more accomplished coach. I, I think we, we live in a day and age where people will – Florida State fans will see that and be like, Gus Malzahn, what has he ever won? Well, he's won a lot more, you know, than – than most coaches that you will be able to hire. Let's put it that way. Yeah, remember when you barely beat him in the in the national title game? Yeah. So he, he's been pretty good. Coaches of Malzahn's status generally are hard to get. I mean, you know, but listen, the you know, one of the last ones who had sort of that kind of resume who moved was Bielema to Arkansas, and that ended up being kind of a disaster. Well, Could, but, but but here's but, my thing. You all you have you recruit the same players. Like no, no. Whoever he would sign at Auburn, yeah. just sign them at Florida State. No, I, I think Gus at, at, at Florida State would work just fine. I think what you're saying with Auburn, I, especially again, if Auburn goes a little haywire, Gus will definitely have landing spots. Yeah, listen, he could always go back home to Arkansas too, and I'm sure they would they would do be happy to work out some deal there. But again, I, I, the idea that well, let me dial it back to this. I like your agent scenario. I don't. What I don't believe, and I will not buy, is that Gus will go to Arkansas on his own. No, he'd he'd have to be run out of our of, of Auburn yes. to do that. Uh, and I don't, and I don't think he'd pick Arkansas. I don't. I don't know that he'd want that job at this that, point. No, that's what I'm saying. Like I don't at this point because he basically did made that decision two years ago. He could have gone now in that situation. He was getting he was getting forty nine million dollars, so of course that will certainly sway you to take the better job for forty nine million dollars. But I just can't imagine Gus sitting there going, "Listen, maybe I didn't beat Alabama this year, but I can beat Alabama here. I can beat Georgia here because I have done it. I don't think I can. I, I don't know if I can even get in the discussion to do that at Arkansas. I certainly can't do it anytime soon, and I may not ever be able to do it at Arkansas." Now imagine you don't have to play Alabama and Georgia. You do have to play Florida and Clemson. Yo, but the listen, thing is, you don't have to beat them for two or three years. They're, they're, it's one of the reasons why Florida State is such an appealing job and such an appealing place. And, I, and again, I, you know, there's some money reasons and why a guy like P.J. Fleck. And, and again, there's some uncertainty there. But one of the reasons why Florida State becomes a very desirable job is the neighborhood you live in. It's really one of the reasons why Willie Taggart got fired because they're looking at the ACC strewn with mediocrity and we're mediocre too. Like, you know, a, a right. small How can step- you not be good during this? Which is right. exactly the same thing they said during the lost decade. How can you not be good when Wake Forest is winning the league? Right. Right, exactly. That and that's why they got so frustrated with Bobby and this Bowden essentially pushed him out for Jimbo eventually. Um, and listen, you know, Florida State has its its certain oddities and limitations, but you, that all goes out the window when you got players, right? And they have a ton of players, and anybody running that competently should be able to do just fine. Now, now again, I, I don't know for some reason it doesn't work for me. Like I, I like the idea of Gus at Florida State. But for some reason, like, I just can't see it happening. Yeah, I, I can't either because it's too perfect. But if you took Auburn's roster this year, and, and we're assuming Kevin Steele goes with, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you took Auburn's roster and coaching staff this year, put them at Florida State, that team goes 10-2, and right? It loses to Clemson and Florida. This we already know Florida, it. This we already know Florida it. State. We already know it loses to Florida. Because okay. Auburn lost to Florida. Oh, so, okay. This, this Auburn yeah. roster goes with them, too. Right. 
Cause, oh, yeah. Because sure. you recruit yeah, the same absolutely. players at Auburn and Florida State. Oh, yeah. No, there's, no, there's no doubt about it. This year's Auburn team would be the second best team in the ACC. Well, I, 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 I'm just telling you. Now, I think Gus is happy with his, his current representation, but, you know, if something should change, I I probably wouldn't charge more than like 1% or 2% of that buyout. Yeah. Gus has got pretty good representation. As as the forty nine million dollar seven year contract shows, <laughs> Gus is doing okay as far as representation is concerned. All right, so I guess I'm gonna have to keep doing this podcast, but that's okay because every once in a while I can call people like you, Ralph, and you make it lots of fun. And this way, we got to have our discussion now <laughs> instead of you just texting me about it tomorrow. This is the equivalent. Me doing that with the texting people whose podcast I'm listening to is the equivalent of at, at some point I will be like when I get old and I'm yelling at the TV thinking the TV can hear me. This is what that is. It, it, it's, it's only a step away from yelling at the TV thinking the TV can hear you is replying to things in a podcast as if the person is saying them live to you directly. The difference is we actually can hear you. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. It, technology is a marvel. No, it's, I love it. You know what's really happened, though, Andy, it, and, and you understand this because you've, you've taken this route and I have followed you. You do a podcast. You do radio shows. All of a sudden, like, you need an outlet for your takes, right? Like, <laughs> I, I'm not on the air. I don't have a microphone. But What yeah. must I do? Find someone who will listen to me. <laughs> but my wife this, doesn't care. Right. My, my wife and child do not want to hear my take on Gus Malzahn going to a Florida state. But damn it. You know, Stu's available, so I'll just text him. Or Andy's available, or Bruce Feldman's available, or or one of these you know many multitude of friends I have who do this job. So I'll just wear them out with this text. All right, Ralph, I appreciate it. I may I may bug you again before we're done this season because you're a lot of fun after these rankings come out. I want I want to get you after a, a supremely controversial ranking because I think that could be epic. I'm here for you, Andy, anytime. Thanks, Ralph. All right, that's the show. We have overreacted about as much as we possibly can to the CFP rankings. When we come back Friday for the subscriber-only Secret to Happiness edition, we'll preview all the big games, Georgia-Auburn, Baylor-Oklahoma. We'll also try to find where those upsets may be happening because, as Ralph said, you never know where they're coming. We'll start looking for them. We'll also give you the secret to happiness. So what more can you ask for? If you're not already subscribing to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash Andy Staples. That's theathletic.com slash A-N-D-Y-S-T-A-P-L-E-S and subscribe. Get the best sports writing in the world for a latte a month. Can't beat it. Best deal ever.